not everybody has the same raw materials, but I think it's a responsibility to try to use whatever raw materials you've been given mm. as well as possible, as uh, effective or generously as possible. But it's like, okay, game on. What are my raw materials and what can I do with it? Be a good steward where you are. Mm. No matter where you are in life, give it your all. Give 100%. Be an encourager. Cheer everyone else on. Like, you know, do, do those things with excellence. And so I love thinking about the analogies of marriage and how that informs my perspective of God and parenting and how that informs my perspective. There's so many analogies and things that I've learned. God it has these hard boundaries set where he's like, stay away from this, stay away from that. But like, there's a lot of fun, exciting things I've, I've placed you here. Do you believe in the one? I mean, one, do I believe in soulmates? I think I do. Hey everybody, Dr. Josh Axe here. Welcome to the Growth Lab Podcast, where each and every week we talk about how to grow yourself, your health, your wealth, and take your career and relationships to the next level. Today we've got a super close friend of mine, one of my best friends, Andrew East. Andrew is a former NFL athlete. He is the co-founder with his wife, Sean, of Family Made. It's this incredible media company that... Uh, is actually has family values, which most media companies don't have that anymore. And also he is just uh, generally a really wise guy. We're going to talk today about, we kind of said everything. We might talk about politics. We may talk about uh, how to grow personally, leadership, psychology, and a whole lot more. But Andrew, welcome to the podcast. I'm so honored to be here. Thanks for having me, Josh. So one, you know, obviously you spent some time in the NFL. Um, you know, and that, that's one of the things I think that's, it, it's, uh, you know, you and Sean obviously had so much success in your careers and now you're seeing so much success in your business. What are some of the things that you learned in being the NFL and the training, all the things you did that you've been able to really take some of those lessons or principles and apply those to all of your business success? Yeah. W one thing that I, I struggled with and then ultimately learned was, I think there's, there's probably like two groups of, you could probably divide people into two groups. One of people that, um, that don't apply themselves enough and like you really need to actively engage them. But then another group, which I fell into is like, I was a try hard in the NFL and I like maybe belonged athletically, maybe didn't, but I was like really trying, I was like tight gripped and trying to just force my way into the NFL, which got me maybe in the, in the door. But ultimately when I got there, I fell apart. Like I was saying with the insecurities, like I just, I was thinking too much and I would get out on the field when it was time to practice and I would just fall apart. Cause I, I was breaking down every small little thing. Mm. And, um, I think there's a, a lot of people that are like that. And at some point, like trusting yourself goes a long way and just, um, having confidence in your practice and, Ultimately, when I started, it took three years to get to this point, but when I started performing well in the NFL, it was like every time I step on the field, my mind turns off and I'm, I, I had to actively distract myself when it was time to like perform so that I wouldn't overanalyze and like paralyze myself in a lot of different ways. Um, so that was one thing, just like trusting in your preparation. Um, I, I also think, you know, for me, it took, it took five years to play in, uh, in, in my first NFL game we were together when I got the call. Oh my gosh. That was crazy. ABC Cochina in New York city. And, uh, that was a good, good weekend. But, uh, I think if you keep answering the door when someone's knocking, something good's going to happen, whether it's a life lesson that you learn or in, like the, the opportunity finally comes along. But I think there's a lot of truth that, uh, that luck is, preparation meets opportunity. Right. Um, yep. and defining it like that, I think I've been lucky 
a lot in my life, but, um, I've kept applying myself, which has, you know, led to me being prepared when the opportunity does present itself. And yeah. Yeah. I think also get in where you fit in kind of too. So mm-hmm. like it, it, yeah. at Vandy, I, when I was playing football there, my freshman year, I, w- I wanted to transfer out so bad. Cause I, I came in and I was like this questionable recruit, like nobody knew who I was. I was the last guy to get the offer and people were, had already known each other. My whole class, like were but was buddy, buddy. I showed up and I was like a, a long snapper. I tore my hamstring the second week of practice. I was like, this is, this is brutal. I don't feel like I belong. But then we had a coach come on and it was, a, it was like this really wonderful meritocracy. I think in a lot of ways where we had competitions that you could kind of prove yourself in on the weight room and the meeting room on the field, like all these different arenas. And I found that my niche, like where I, where I kind of settled in was in the weight room. I could be the guy. I was not the guy in the field. Like I was not that talented in the meeting room. I was whatever, like not that I'm not super great on X's and O's and strategy, but like in the weight room, I could bring the energy. And so ultimately I ended up getting voted captain two years in a row just because, uh, of like my contribution in the weight room. And so to me, you know, I guess it kind of goes back to insecurity, but I, I always had this like thing where, gosh, I I get eight plays a game as a long snapper. What am I, I'm not actually contributing here, but gosh, look at our schedule. The games are, we get 12 games a year. We're in the weight room every day. Let me stand out here. You know what I'm saying? Like that's an opportunity that you can, you know, arbitrage to use a fancy word, but shoot, let me be the guy in there. And that's, that's what happened. And this is such a good life principle because it's like, be a good steward where you are, Mm. no matter where you are in life, give it your all, give a hundred percent, be an encourager, cheer everyone else on, like, you know, do, do those things with excellence. And so, and, and then that opens up other doors later on. Right. And I think your presence and how you've done that and your career and also your, your relationships. I mean, Sean and I, again, we were talking about how you've built a lot of these great friendships because you see the best in people, you invest in people, you have that, that very same demeanor, the very same thing that made you the best teammate makes you a best friend. And so I think that's powerful. I'd love for you to share the story because I remember one of the first conversations we had, we were driving around and I asked you why you chose Vanderbilt University to play football at. And you told this really amazing story about how you were given that opportunity. Yeah. So I I went to high school in Indianapolis, shout out North Central Panthers. And uh, again, I was good at football. I wasn't insane. So my whole uh, junior year, I spent trying to get recruited my head coach at the time, like we just didn't have a lot of players playing college ball out of our high school. So I was doing it all myself. I got every single email of D one special teams coaches. And I sent them an email with my tape, with a letter, just like, here's the thing, dude, there's, there's however many high schools with however many long snappers or linebackers. What are you going to do to stand out? It's like, I'm not saying act like a, a, a doofus, but like, there's a lot of ways that when I ultimately meet the special teams coach from Vandy, he's going to remember that I sent him, Oh yeah, you're Andrew East. I remember getting that random email. How'd you get my email address? And it's like, that's a, that's a card you could play. So anyway, I sent an email to every D one special teams coach. And, um, then that summer, you know, we had like an eight week summer. I think I went to 12 summer camps for, for D one programs, just trying to like get it, get in front of people. I wanted to play D one college ball more than anything in the world. That was my goal. I was going to go, to 
I was going to go to Princeton. I was going to Alabama and wherever it would have me, I would play. Um, fast forward to signing day, which is this big day where everyone who has D one offers chooses where they're going to go. And I didn't have any offers and thus I didn't choose where I was going to go. That's in February. Uh, by the time April rolled around, like this is when even non-athletes have chosen where they're going to go to school that next fall. I still hadn't cause I was like torn. I, I had the opportunity to play D three college ball with my brother or maybe like walk on at Princeton. I get a call from the Vanderbilt head coach and he's like, Andrew, we want to offer you a scholarship. I was like, coach shining day is coming gone. What happened? And anyway, ultimately Vanderbilt's highest rated recruit at the time, Ray John Bennett is this running back out of Georgia. Um, his mom had a boyfriend who broke in their house in the middle of the night and had a gun was shooting around. Ray John jumps in front of his little brother who had a like a uh, disability, took a bullet for him literally. And he's like, that happened. And we want to give you a scholarship. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is uh wow. What do I do with this? It's simultaneously my dream come true, but under such tragic circumstances. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've tried to, I've tried to reconcile that and the, the analogies to like Jesus uh, in that in my life where it's like, okay, wow. We have all this wonderful freedom and opportunity in life, but you know, Jesus took it all for it. Anyway, yeah, I, I, don't, I haven't quite made sense of that. Uh, so I showed up on campus and, you know, um, ultimately my class won the most. We were the winningest Vanderbilt class of all time. And wow. I still, uh, I try to mention Ray John's name as often as possible just cause, uh, he has this essay called strength that you could look up online still. It's amazing, but he was just of top notch character. And I honestly just feel, um, in a lot of ways, like not worthy to step into his shoes, but I, I hope I did somewhat justice with it. You know? That's so good. You know, I, I think, I think about this, like when there's a couple ways to handle something like that, somebody does something sacrificial and something maybe you're undeserving of. And, but, but you're, you're given an opportunity, even though you may not deserve it. And I think some people maybe go through life and feel like, well, I don't deserve it. I'm, I'm not, I don't deserve this privilege or this opportunity and kind of be like that and kind of have this level of like guilt. I mean, that's, I actually see a lot of people, I see this whole, a whole culture today of people walking around with guilt because I was rich or as color of my skin or something like that. But the other one is going around with this idea of I'm so grateful. I'm so blessed, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's all about its perspective, right? It's mindset. And that's, um, it's a really powerful mindset to kind of even, even correlate it with that. Somebody sacrificed for me. I'm going to live in the state of gratitude and make the best of that. Cause I think that's the best way to honor somebody. Yeah. It's not, not walk around guilty. Say, you know what? I'm going to make the best. And I look at what you did being captain, being from what I, I know of you. And I'm sure that one of the reasons you got this, the most greatest encourager, big, you know, the, the most, inspirational person in that locker room. And so, and that's honoring that person, right? It's, it's like, that's anyways, I, 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 yeah. I love that. I, uh, we're reading through mere Christianity right now. And C.S. Lewis talks about raw materials and like, not everybody has the same raw materials, but I think it's a responsibility to try to use whatever raw materials you've been given mm. as what, as well as possible as, uh, you know, effective or generously as possible, but it's like, okay, game on what are my raw materials and what can I do with it? Shoot. That's kind of a fun game. Yeah. It's like, let's navigate this thing. Oh yeah. Anyway. Yeah. How has having kids for you guys changed your relationship and view of God? Oh man. It, 
I love thinking about the analogies of marriage and how that informs my perspective of God and parenting and how that informs my perspective. There's so many analogies and things that I've learned. Um, one of which I think about our two year old son, we had a birthday party for him just a couple months ago and I'll never forget. He woke up uh, after his nap, came downstairs and we had, while he was asleep for the last two hours, decorated the whole house with like dinosaurs and balloons. We had to food out. We had all his favorite things, toys and bikes and all the things. And he was walking down the stairs and just had this awestruck look on his face. And I was like, Jet, this is all for you. This is all for you, man. We did this. And I, I don't think he fully understood, but it's like, I, I do feel that way now where mm. God is just like, he's here for us and has provided all of these things. And, you know, he closed the, the, the lilies in the field and the birds of the air. Yeah. It's like, he'll do the same to me. And it's, it, he's done this for us. And I think there is, to me, I, I started crying when I saw the look on his face. I was like, oh my gosh, this is um, so, this is such a strong picture. And I'm so glad that I get to experience this despite all the frustrations. You know, it's like you put the kid down and sometimes it's an exhausting day. Um, but you wake up the next day and there's like so much purpose in it. And you're like, okay. I, I thought taking an ice bath was hard. And I love seeing these people online saying like, oh, I wake up and dip in cold water for four minutes. How about you pair it for 24 hours and feel how exhausting that is or strenuous that is. Um, but just that that thought of God providing everything here for us. And then I, also the discipline um, side of things where uh, it's so hard to get that right as a parent where yep. – I want, I, my intention here is to love you and love looks different depending on the situation. Sometimes it looks like standing at an altar, looking at the love of your life, just with, you know, big hearts in your eyes. Like so, so much love you could cry. Sometimes it looks like me sitting my son down on a couch and reprimanding him or like correcting him. But when you take the long view of that too, like, it's like, okay, I don't think God is like moving chess pieces around or like making this happen and not making this happen for me. But when I think of discipline and when I've erred away from of like God's intention and plans versus when I feel like I'm really in tune with the word and like with the, with the community he's, he's put me in touch with there, the, the discipline aspect I feel like uh, is enhanced as well. Just, from what I've learned as a parent. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think God's ever set up anything for you that you feel like, has he ever set up anything for you? Feel like the person you married, like Sean or done any, you know, any, anything like that? Do you believe in the one? I mean, Hmm. Wow. (laughs) You know, I I believe in a really, uh, a really sort of beautiful combination, or I, I believe in a combination of free will and predestination. And I think this could be getting a big, th- even theological discussion. You know, you've got a lot of reformed Calvinists or, who are going to be very staunch on, hey, everything is, you know, uh, this this idea of predestined, everything is already written versus, again, you get more methods, it's free will. But I think for me, the, the way that I look at it is I think that God... Um, orchestrates for certain things to happen. But I feel like he's very hands-off. I believe that Christ coming and orchestrating that or God coming himself and 
in, in, in the, in the death and resurrection. I believe that was orchestrated. I believe the end is already written in terms of there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And, uh, you know, and we'll be here on this new heaven reunited with our bodies and we will be, you know, back creating paradise as Adam was the garden of Eden. And so, but, but I also do believe that, uh, you know, the Bible talks about like, here's what I would say. If he doesn't orchestrate anything, then why would I pray? You know, that's the way that I think about it. And so when I think about prayer, I think that there's a combination of God and then, uh, you know, angels that are working on our behalf. You know, I think about Daniel and he's praying at a point, he, he, he's praying at one point. And actually there's this, uh, there's this angel that's coming to help. He's praying to God and then God sends an angel and the angel's like the prince of Persia, this specific demon, like kept me from getting here, but I'm here now. It took me three, you know, and so it's really interesting when, when you look at the Bible. So, so my answer is, do I believe that God orchestrates every last piece to where we're almost robots or everything is predestined? I, I don't believe it like that, but do I believe that he orchestrates certain thing? I do. do and then do I believe that there is, um, one, do I believe in soulmates? I think I do. Oh my. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent certain. Now, listen, I believe that a lot of people can be compatible. So I do believe that if somebody felt like, Hey, you know what? Ugh, I married the wrong person. I believe that if you're in that situation, you're called to love and serve that person and be faithful until the day you die. So I do believe in compatibility in being compatible to be married with multiple people. But do I also believe that, let me give you an example of this. I prayed for, I, I had a buddy, Pete Camille, you've met him. And um, before I got married, I was probably 27. And I realized God put on my heart, I'm like, man, I really feel like I'm ready to get married. So Pete and I, we did a prayer call every night for, on Sunday nights before the week, we'd pray for each other. And Pete would pray for my wife. And I would think about, okay, what do I want in a wife? And I want her to be, uh, you know, I want her to, um, I want us to share the same values. I want her to be a Christian. I want her to have a strong faith. I want like all of these things. And, you know, and then two years later I met Chelsea, we got married. And so I'm not saying for sure that maybe there, God was like, Hey, I've set this up from the very beginning where you'll marry this person. But I'm also saying not, I'm also saying that I'm not, maybe he did. I don't know. You know, I think there's some of those answers where I don't know. It's interesting. I, I think prayer is like, God doesn't need us to pray. I don't think. So I think prayer is more for us and our relationship with God than anything else. Like your prayer for Chelsea. It's almost like if I say yellow VW buggy, you're like right now, you're going to go out the next couple of months and, because I've mentioned that you're going to look and be aware of more yellow, like yellow VW buggies now, just cause it's like top of mind. I think prayer kind of has that effect. Here's another parenting analogy that I think plays into this. I've, um, it's really hard to fight this temptation of like, okay, Jed is clearly a really good athlete. My two year old son is like, physically. he is, I guess <laughs> he is going to, he's an athlete. So for sure. But I'm not setting that as his final destination. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's like this really pleasant journey of, watching these kids grow up and exploring their passions. It's like a, it's like a treasure hunt that you get to lead them through for the first couple of years of their life. And then maybe watch them exp like navigate it themselves where it's like, Hey, there's a lot of good ways to live life. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, hear I think, it. I think God kind of 
it's like the, kind of the same way. So the predestination versus free will. It's, it's like, I think God it has these hard boundaries set where it's like, stay away from this, stay away from that. But like, there's a lot of fun, exciting things I've, I've placed you here. Uh, I've placed on this earth. I think that goes the same way for finding the one or, you know, your, your spouse where I, I think I probably could have married 10,000 different people. And Sean, I'm super, this was, this was just like one version of how the story could have ended. I'm super, super thankful. And I can't imagine it yep. any other way. You, you guys, you guys are super busy. <laughs> I mean, you guys are some of the busiest people I know, but here's the thing. Anytime I talk to you, it's like a good busy. It's like, you're doing great things, fun things for the family. I mean, things that are meaningful. It's not like I, there, there's a, there's a, uh, a proverb and it's like, teach me to number my days that I may get a heart of wisdom, right? Teach me to, um, count my days, like teach me to value time in that sort of way. You guys, how, what is your process of prioritization for, for you and Sean in order to create these meaningful moments and talk to me about meaningful moments. Cause I get what I, I, when I, when I say this, I'm serious, when I think about somebody who's really intentional about creating meaningful moments, I think you guys are really conscious of that. Well, I appreciate that. We, we did just uh, form a foundation. I'm excited to, to build called moment makers where it's like delivering these, uh, you don't, you don't remember years of your life. Like if I asked you, what was the best part about last year? You're going to tell me about like a day or yeah. one like 10, 10 minute period in your life. You mentioned your birthday party, your 40th birthday party the other day. And it's yeah. like, I'll never forget being in that restaurant. Us all like, you oh, know. <laughs> so fun. you almost got us kicked out. But that was a blast. Uh, but it's like, how can you, how can you uh, provide those moments for other people and then have this like follow on sequence that, mm. that actually like, you know, leads to more uh, meaning and purpose in life. Um, but the, this goes back to the scheduling thing with friends that I learned from you. And people say they're busy all the time. Like that's just, I think, a side effect of Western culture. Sean and I have pleasantly fallen into or worked towards. Uh, you could say we're busy. I like to say that we're committed to the things that we love the Matter most. most. It's like we, have, we, have, yes. we have a full schedule. If you look at my schedule, it's like, Boom, boom. I'm, I'm going to get out of here and go meet Joey and Heath. They're yep. great. I'm excited about that, you know? Um, but busyness has this undertone of like, oh shoot, like a franticness or a yeah. lack of control or lack of, a, you know, excitement about things. Um, so how do we prioritize? I'm super thankful for my wife um, in that realm. I think I would probably skew towards just over indexing work and, uh, my personal hobbies. She's always tugging me back. You brought up this term beneficial adversary, which oh, yeah. is brought up. Um, I guess the Hebrew word for Eve and, and that's right. In Hebrew as in Adam and Eve means beneficial adversary. I love that image to me. It like unlocks this freedom as a spouse to like challenge my wife, but in a healthy way, you know, it doesn't always feel healthy, but it's like, how can I be a beneficial adversary to my wife? And then also acknowledge that she has a different perspective. And I feel like there's so much friction in, in this relationship, but it's all for good. It's like, okay, she's coming at it, prioritizing our kids and our marriage, which might not come naturally to me yeah. all the time. So I'm so thankful that she's injecting that, um, where I inject, you know, Hey, let's knock X, Y, and Z out the schedule. Let's make sure that we're going, you know, a little more logistics oriented. Um, so I'd say to answer your question, wife, and then, um, feeling free to ask for help 
I think we've grown into that habit and actually like writing things down or putting things on the schedule. Like you have to, or else you're going to, you're going to miss it or skip over it, you know? Yeah. That's good. I mean, what, what you're really good at this too. I, I, I uh, on a podcast recently, I did a news episode and talked about foobing, which is when you're on your phone and like, you know, in the middle of a conversation, phone snubbing people. <laughs> and uh, you guys literally have a box in your kitchen where you guys just regularly just put your phones. You're always present time conscious. Like you're with, like, I know when I'm with Andrew, I am with Andrew. Like, like you're, 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 you're alert, you're receptive. You're, you're, you're there, you're present. Um, is there some, do you, did you just, is that just naturally the way you are or have you actually really been conscious about, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of my phone. I'm going to be present and conscious with people. I think part of it, I mean, generationally I grew up when we saw like the flip phones. My first phone was like in freshman year, high school, I had the Samsung. It, It was not like always a part of my life, which probably contributes to it. Um, and then I, yeah, I, my dad had a saying that um, love is not always efficient, but it's always effective. He used to hammer that home to us. And that's kind of just how we grew up where he always had this eagerness to engage with people, the same type of curiosity that I've stumbled into. Um, I just think I use my phone as a tool to get me in front of people that um, I'm excited about or like it's how this is not the end goal. I I don't want to spend my free time Mm -hmm. on my phone. Uh, and so I, I have tried to be unapologetically unavailable to people who aren't right in front of me yep. or like who aren't my priority. Right. So that I can be unapologetically available to the people, like to my wife, to my kids. That's what matters most. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know. Could we have made a couple more bucks if I answered emails quicker? Maybe. Could I have a couple more followers on social media. If I was on it more, maybe, but it's like, you know, what are we doing here? When I think about you, one of the things is, is when you think about priorities, it's people, right? It's not phones. It's not, you know, emails. It's not those things. It's a big priority for you is people and investing in people and loving people and connecting with people. What is your biggest piece of advice for people? If you're in, well, let me, I have two questions left. One question is, um, you and Sean, I mean, even from when I first met you, and I feel the same way for Chelsea and I too, but we've all continued to grow together. Like yeah. when I, when I'm like, Hey, where, you know, where, where's Andrew's wisdom from when I first met him and my, it's wow. He's, you, you've continued to, um, grow in wisdom and, uh, your business, all these things you've continued to grow. What are some of the most important growth habits that, that you have that you, you, you have on a regular basis? Oh, I appreciate that. Um, Honestly, you've, you've paid such a big part of that. And you asked me all these challenging questions. I'll never forget. Like the first time you asked me to like write down all my assets and like, you were like, so how much money are you going to make this year? I was like, what the heck is this? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I get up in your business. You said earlier, I, I, uh, I asked these questions cause out of humility, I think it's probably chutzpah more so, but it's, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, uh, sorry, what was the question? I, I lost it. I well, so, so one of the things that, again, like you and Sean are growing, you're growing as people, parents, spouses. W- what are some of those habits that you have that have allowed you to continue to grow? Um, okay, so we, we do this big goal setting thing at the beginning of every year where the first year we did it, 
it was so hard and so vague. We didn't know what we were talking about, but like we went through every aspect of our life. We have 12 different categories and we said, okay, what do we want life to look like a year from now? We added this vision aspect of it. So we'll actually write, um, we'll write the goals down, but then we'll write like a journal entry as if we were living a year in the future. Does that make sense? So it's like, Oh, wow, life I is so that. good. We have our three kids and we play each morning, uh, before we go to school. It's like, I don't know. It, it adds this more real element to it where it doesn't become this like far off distant thing. It's more of a, Oh, this is just a, this is super attainable. We can do this. Uh, and the, the fun thing about this is I, I feel like this applies to a lot of different aspects in life, but like the startup cost is much higher than the ongoing maintenance cost that you pay. Like if you think about, um, starting a business, there's going to be so much that you have to learn and invest into something, um, guys compared to making tweaks to the, uh, to the advertising budget or, or changing the website here and there, changing something is so much easier than starting something and, and like marriages too. If you're going through a hard time in your marriage, what? Okay. Uh, if I like, I should just work on the maintenance of this. Cause if I don't, and I get remarried, this is gonna like that startup cost is high there. Um, so the goals are the same thing for us. That first year was starting. It was super hard, but then now we use last year's goals and we'll just like edit it. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Mm -hmm. Which makes it super easy, uh, to like go through it. And it's also a, such a fun process. We take a full day to do that. Uh, we have monthly checkups, Sean and I do, where we try not to uh, gripe uh, at each other all the time. So we'll kind of save them at, for like a you know predetermined time during the month where a pattern's built up. And it's like, hey, Sean, I, I realized you're not taking a lot of showers. And you're like, <laughs> so like you know, it's like it, you've allowed time yeah. to expose this negative habit or that you want to like gently talk about yep. something with. Um, that That's been really good for us. Um, and then I think uh, you gotta have, I, I feel so spoiled. I feel like in every aspect of my life, I have a group of people around me that like is better at me than things. So Saturday mornings, I wake up at 6am. I'm training with like CrossFit games, athletes, Navy SEALs, army Rangers. They put me to shame physically. And I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. So I'm always striving. In business, I have mentors like you where it's like, man, you're leagues, leaps and bounds ahead of me. I'm always learning something from you. And it's like I, I, that I've definitely benefited and, and like feel so spoiled to, to have that. Um, but that also then has this side effect of like accountability. So it's like, okay, I don't want the text messages at 6.15 on Saturday morning saying, Andrew, where are you? you know, you, you drop the ball. It's like, no, you, you want to show up for the people that are yeah. around you. So having a community uh, definitely makes... Um, a difference. And then trying to be super intentional with what your habits are and make it as easy as possible to like get there. So, you know, whether it's a macro diet or like working out to whatever extent, like Peloton cycling, having that as a exercise equipment that people can have in their house, like people are getting more exercise now because now they don't have to drive yeah. 15 minutes to the gym. They can just go to their, their living room, but that goes for like diets too. So it's like, oh, you have a macro plan that you need to, you, you have to get 200 carbs in. It's like, I, I just think there's, it's not shortcuts, but you can be strategic with like teeing things up, whether mm -hmm. it's like pre-making meals or whatever. Um, and the, the commitment also plays a role in that of, of just like planning. So, you know, we have a men's group meeting in October 
Uh, that's on the calendar. That's locked in. That's done. I know I'm going to get a little bit of personal growth in on that. And yeah. So I think those are a couple of things that come to mind. Those are good things. I, I kind of want to go through those. So, so you, you get around people that level you up. That's a big thing, you yeah. know, and I think that's just so important. I, you know, I think mentorship, I think iron sharpens iron. Those things are big. I love that. You guys goal set together, you and Sean. That's so great. Um, I, you didn't say this one, but you're an avid reader. You're always reading and learning, whether it's listening to an audio book or just reading yourself for at least a book a month. I see that too. You know, you're part of a growth group, so you're intentional with your community. But all, I, anyways, I love that. All those things add up. Last question. What's the best piece of advice you have for anybody who is saying to themselves, I want to grow, whether it be spiritually in their relationships. So what's your advice for anybody in terms of your best advice for growth? Best advice I have for growth. We have so many tools that you can look up a group of people who are also interested in the thing that you're interested in. Go show up to the rock climbing gym and like be a part of that little hour long exercise. Go show up to the cycling group that's at your you know local neighborhood. Find the thing that you're interested in and then find the group of people who are also doing it. And like, oh my gosh, when you're, I, I, I think it's a, a directly correlated to uh, the connections that you have. I think personal growth is directly correlated to the connections you have in the sense that like, oh my gosh, you never know who you're going to meet on the, on the cycling group who might then invite you to the men's group. But it's like getting engaged with the thing, like dialing that knob up of like, okay, I really like to bike by myself. Oh, well, the next step would be going to do it with other people. I think get connected, get to know people and like do more of it. And then if you don't like it, do less of it, cut it out, do the, do the next thing that you're interested in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But good. if it, if it's, if there's resistance and it's like, Oh, this is just hard, but I still like it double down on it. Like just say, okay, all right. Challenge accepted. I have to conquer this next move or I got to climb that next hill. That's great. That's really exciting. That's like where you want to be in life. It's always on like, you know, if you think about the yin and yang, not to get super frou-frou, but it's like, you want to be on the edge of chaos. Yeah. Jordan Peterson talks yeah, yeah. about this, like always pushing towards that. And people uh, having a gr group of people around you to, to help you do that is essential. That's so good. It's so good. Hey, I want to encourage everybody. Uh, you guys can find Andrew uh, at Family Made. Their YouTube station is awesome. So if you go to YouTube and you just search Andrew East or Family Made, they have such a great channel where they're putting out family friendly content on a regular basis. Um, also you can follow Andrew on all his social channels. If you just follow at Andrew East and, um, Andrew, appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me, Josh. All right. Well, just let's go. All right. Um, everybody. Hey, thanks for watching another episode of the growth lab. Again, thanks so much to Andrew East for sharing his wisdom today. Remember each and every week we go through how to grow yourself, your health, your wealth, your relationships, your spirituality, your career, and so much more. If you're not subscribed, make sure to subscribe and we'll see you on the next episode. Yeah.